I like that song. And I have a feeling that it's going to connect with the sermon. What can one little person do? Hmm, more to come. Our reading today is taken from the New Testament, the book of Luke, chapter 10, 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stands up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to the lawyer, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to feel justified, to feel great, the lawyer asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story, and at the end, Jesus asks a question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer, the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says to the lawyer, go and do likewise. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer, the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So the story in between is a story that we've heard often about the good Samaritan, as it has been called, about someone who is wounded, a few people pass by, and then finally someone comes and helps and takes care of the individual. And that's when Jesus asks the question. So we will look at that later on in our sermon, our reflection on dignity. Being with you is always a pleasure for me for many reasons, not just the beautiful drive, but to be in a space where so many people have gathered. That's not quite common on Sundays anymore or Saturdays, or Fridays, or Wednesdays, and so I'm glad to be here with you this morning. As you know, I am not a Unitarian Universalist, although we joke and say perhaps I could be because I've been in so many different religious settings, and so I come and share with you the tradition from which I come, and I do use God language, as you've come to know, and I also do share stories from the Bible and perhaps doing so in a way that's a little bit different that we can appreciate together. And in my tradition, I always begin by giving thanks, and so to God who is great and powerful, glorious, splendid, and majestic. To God who rules everything by God's own strength and power and is able to make anyone great and strong. To those who have come before us, making it possible for us to be here today. To the one I run to, to your pastor for extending this invitation to me, to our musicians. This congregation has wonderful, wonderful music. And so to the musicians, and also to the one in the back recording, so that generations upon generations will be able also to participate in this service. Thank you for the work that you do week after week. To all the visitors and the guests, it is my pleasure, and thank you for receiving me here this morning. As we consider the scripture that I read in part this morning, I invite you to pray with me. Dear God, I pray that we, your people, 
are open to receiving a word from you, however difficult or challenging it may be. And I pray that I, your preacher, that I speak not a word more or a word less than that which you've given me to preach. Amen. And so our scripture, Luke, chapter 10, 25 through 37. Jesus is speaking with his friends, his followers, his disciples, and then a lawyer stands up to test Jesus. And Jesus is used to being called all different kinds of names, master and savior, but on this particular day, he is called teacher. Teacher, says the lawyer, I overheard you talking with your disciples about a few deep things, and I have a deep question of my own. And Jesus probably looks at the lawyer and says, okay, continue, go ahead. Jesus says to the lawyer, after the lawyer first asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? What do you read there? Now, the lawyer, perhaps a graduate of one of our esteemed New England law schools, and perhaps someone who has passed the bar on the first try, and probably has over $100,000 worth of student loans, this lawyer starts thinking about all the things studied in the years of law school and goes through all the different laws and finally figures it out and says, okay, I'll take a chance. I think it is this particular law, Jesus. It's the one that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Oh, people are holding their breaths. They're waiting to see what is Jesus going to say. And so Jesus says, you have given the right answer. Oh, imagine the high fives going around. Huh? All the high fives. Someone has managed to get a right answer in front of this very esteemed religious leader. And then the religious leader named Jesus continues, do this and you will live. Uh-oh. So wanting to feel good, the lawyer asks Jesus, well, Jesus, since you want me to do this, who is my neighbor? Uh-huh. So now they're going at it. Question for a difficult question. Back and forth. And the lawyer is essentially asking Jesus a very tricky question. Let's think about this. There are 7.3 billion people in the world. Who is my neighbor? They live on seven continents in over 200 cities. They speak six to 7,000 languages. They worship and practice 4,000, some 200 religions. Who is my neighbor? Now, perhaps this lawyer was hoping that Jesus would say, well, your, lawyer, your, your neighbors are only the Unitarian Universalists. They're only your neighbors over there in Exeter. Your neighbors are only other lawyers. Hoping for an easy, easy answer. And so Jesus responds the way that Jesus typically does. He tells a story. Someone is walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now that doesn't seem like it's such a big thing, but going down from Jerusalem to Jericho in that the journey is nearly 20 miles of a drop that is 3,000 feet or so. 
This road is famous for being dangerous. It's twisty, it's steep, it's mountainous. There are few residents in the area. It's full of violence and robbers and criminals. But someone, says Jesus, is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And who is this someone? Perhaps a man, a woman, a student, a grandparent going to visit a grandchild, a woman five months pregnant along the way, a college student returning from university, someone going to church, a father with some children, a business person going to make a deal, or even a criminal who is planning to rob someone along the way. Jesus does not specify who this person is. All we know is that someone is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This someone, young, old, strong, weak, knows about this dangerous journey, but the journey has to be made. You see, in those days, there were no superhighways. There were no exits with fast food, right? There was no internet to keep you busy so you can chat with your friends on the phone and none of that. There were no restroom breaks, no place to stretch. It was a difficult and dangerous journey, but it had to be made. And this person makes the journey hoping to make it to the other side safely. Someone is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. But guess what happens? As this person is going down, this person falls into the hands of robbers, not thieves, but robbers, who strips this person, beats this person, and goes away, leaving this person half dead and likely naked on the side of the road. Now, by chance, oh, an answered prayer. You ever prayed really hard and just prayed that your prayer will be answered? Guess what? Someone comes along, a member of a religious society, a priest going down the same road. And we know for certain that priests, religious leaders, pastors, deacons, elders, they're going to be the ones to respond, Sunday school teachers. And this priest comes, looks at the situation, and then does what? Passes by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, another religious leader, comes, sees the person, and does what? Passes by on the other side. Now, we only hear about two people who have come, but imagine the numbers of people who came one after the other, after the other, after the other, looked at the situation, and just passed by to the other side. And finally... Here comes someone called a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, they were not quite liked in those days. And so imagine the crowd rolling their eyes when Jesus is talking about a Samaritan. Oh, a Samaritan, huh? Well, we know what they did. That Samaritan probably passed by to the other side. But surprisingly, that is not what happens. Jesus says that the Samaritan stops, is moved with pity, bandages this person's wounds, pours oil and wine on them. Now, we do not know what it is that necessarily compels this person aside from pity. We don't mean pity in the sense of feeling bad for the individual, but pity meaning compassion. Some of us are moved and persuaded to help other people because of guilt. We feel guilty about having so much privileges compared to other people, and we know that we did not work for anything that we have. Instead, we've inherited it, or we simply have it because of our skin color or our gender or our address. Others of us stop and help people because of curiosity. 
We see something that doesn't look right, and we want to investigate. We're nosy. We're always into someone else's business. We want a new place to, or, or issue to gossip about to our neighbors. Others of us, we help others because of fame. We want recognition. We want to end up on the World Wide Web. We want our videos to go viral of the things that we're doing to help other people. We want people to talk about us and how wonderful we are and helping others in need. We like the attention. We feel good. We want to be a hero and we want to be a heroine. Others of us help because of money. We hope that by helping someone, then that person will help us or pay us in the future. Or we want to write off our expenses as a tax benefit for helping someone at the end of the year. Usually this is the time of the year when we start to calculate how much we still need to help others in order to benefit from our taxes. <laughs> others of us stop simply because of control. If we help someone, then they are obligated to help us in the future. We have control over them. They will always remember that we have assisted. But this person helps, not because of any of those things, but simply because of pity and compassion. And the next day, this person, or that same moment, puts the wounded person on the person's own animal, brings this wounded person to an inn, and takes care of this individual. And the next day, takes out about two months' worth of money, two months' of worth of stay in a hotel. Now, this might have been a really nice hotel. We're not sure. But takes out at least two months' worth of money to pay for a stay in a hotel and gives the money to the innkeeper and says, take care of this individual. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spent. And so Jesus asks the question, which of these individuals do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer responds, the one who showed mercy. Jesus says, go and do likewise. What a cute story. That's it. That's our story. And when we think about it and we talk about it, we know the characters. There's a lawyer who asks the question. There's the wounded one who's hurt along life's way and journey, the priest and the Levite who come and pass by to the other side, the helper responder Samaritan who is motivated by pity, and the innkeeper who is entrusted with the money. But beloved, we often forget about one character in this story. And which character would this be? Without this one character, this story would have turned out differently. This character is the animal, the donkey. Without the donkey, the helper, the responder, the Samaritan may have had to call some friends and ask for help, rent a vehicle and incur additional expenses, or seek out another form of transportation. Without this animal, the donkey, it would not have been easy, but the donkey, did not the donkey also show mercy? It's not just about the Samaritan who takes the center of this story, who also did something wonderful, something good. This story is also about this animal, this donkey, often forgotten, the one who carries a heavy load, someone who is bleeding, someone who is heavy, 
But this donkey, this animal was gentle and cooperative and participated in helping someone else. This donkey could have been tired. This donkey could have been tired of carrying a heavy load. And yet this donkey still participated in helping someone else. Beloved, just like the role that this donkey played, the roles that we play in life are often viewed as being very small and very insignificant. We do things each and every day that people take for granted and may not ever notice. But believe it or not, our lives matter. The role that we play each and every day in this world matters. Now, when we help someone, we cannot feel guilty about offering whatever it is that we have and then moving on, moving forward. During most of the challenging times in human history, some people could only offer food. Others could only offer a place to hide. Others could only write legislation and encourage people to vote. Not one person could do it all. We may want to just hold someone's hand and take the person all the way to the end, but that is not always possible. The role we play may simply be that of carrying a load, carrying a burden for someone else in need at their greatest hour of need. And there are no guarantees when we help someone. There is no guarantee that that person will recover or even desire to fully live life. When we act on love and we act on mercy and we carry the burdens of others, there is no guarantee that that person will even survive. It is painful to invest our love and our resources on an individual, and for whatever reason, that individual does not make it to what we would consider to be success. We may bail someone out of jail only for the person to return in a year or two. We may pay for someone to go through drug or alcohol treatment only to find the person drunk or high in a few days. We may pay tuition for our children and for our loved ones only for them to underperform. We may take someone to a shelter, an abused person, someone who is abused only to find that the person has returned to a situation which is abusive. And we may send money for food for an individual only to find out that that person has used it to buy expensive shoes or invested in expensive car. Not every person we help will make it to a better place because the trauma of life may be too much for the individual to handle. The emotional, physical, and spiritual, financial wounds of life may just be too much for that person. But we are reminded that each of us has a role to play. No matter how small, no matter how much it seems that it will be forgotten, our roles are never too small. Our lives do matter. Being a neighbor is risky business. It's risky. Sometimes we will risk everything that we have, including our lives, and we may get ripped off. We may get scammed. We risk humiliation. We risk embarrassment. But wisdom is knowing our own limitations. And so as we study this story, let us not forget about that minor character who played a major part simply by being who he or she was, being able to carry the load and the burden of another person unexpectedly on the journey of life. So go forward. Be who you are and who you were meant to be. Take on the burdens of others. 
even if it feels as though sometimes it is a bit too much. The burden that you carry may not always just be for someone else. That burden may also be your own. And when someone sees you, may they not pass over to the other side. Show mercy. Show love. Regardless of the outcome, your role is important. Amen.